We should sing the lyrics to the song that's in the movie. Do we need to go put some eyeliner on first? Yes. Required. Like it Going live in five, <laughs> four. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of So Did You Like It, a film podcast that you can lose with the thousands and thousands of other film podcasts. But at the end of it, we're not going to be critics. We're not going to throw numbers at you. We're just going to ask a simple question. So did you like it? I am Sir Square and joined as always with my co-host. I'm the cyborg, Kaz. And we're joined today from with a special guest. Who are who do you think you are, special guest, and what gives you the right? <laughs> who do I think I am? I am Ponic. Uh, I am a Twitch streamer, friend of Squarin. How are you guys doing? Thank you so much for having me. We are really happy you're here, and we'll jump into the movie, but I've got to ask first, Kaz, what was with that energy? <laughs> but I'm, trying, like, I'm here for it. Listen, what? <laughs> I'm trying to hold it together, man. Like, do you need something? This, do I need, this do podcast I is partially, uh, I was talking about a movie, and it's also part like I needed therapy for the week, so here we are. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? That's the perfect intro to this film. We watched Treasure Planet. Uh, the classic 2002 film written by Ron Clements and John Musker, also uh, directed by the two of them, based off the classic novel by Robert Louis Stevenson, Treasure Island. This is a sci-fi look at the original story with new elements added to kind of (laughs) kind of streamline the story to fit a better narrative about a boy on an adventure to not only discover himself, but to discover... The power kind of like with trusting your people around you, relationships and like what really can benefit you if you just stop caring so much about what other people are throwing at you. I like the idea, my headcanon, is that they started with like, all right, so we have Treasure Island. How can we like really improve on this? And someone's just like bigger. Treasure Continent? Bigger! Larger scale, you're th- you're thinking too small of scale. We need the biggest scale ever. Treasure <laughs> galaxy. All right, tone it down, tone it down, right. tone it down. Right. Calm down, Bob. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> too big, too big. Yeah, wait. At the at this point in Disney's like timeline, isn't like Bob uh Bob Iger? Not Bob Iger. The other oh. one before uh, him, Bob Eisner. Robert Eisner. Was it like he in charge of Disney? <sighs> can't remember oh i don't know i don't know the ins and outs of disney i honestly haven't michael eisner i'm sorry michael his name's eisner. michael eisner the guy like almost ruined uh disney how oh he's gonna run it into the ground it was bad money loss everywhere mm. but anyway so when i decided to pick treasure planet it was one because i knew kaz had never seen it and two i knew it was the perfect excuse to get tonic on this podcast yes yes like I knew there would be someone in my corner because this movie is the greatest of all time. It apparently seems like the perfect movie to lure anyone in because as we were just talking to people, telling people like, hey, yeah, so we're going to watch Treasure Planet, I think. So many people came out of the woodwork and be like, oh, I love that movie. The movie's amazing. (laughs) It's so underrated and it's not, it wasn't like a hugely talked about movie at the time, I feel like. It was one of those movies that I know when we were kids, we we had this DVD and it it felt like a treasure in itself. Like we have this this great movie. Treasure DVD bigger. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me feel good when I watch this movie. Like I Yeah. Every time I put this movie on, 
Like, and it starts with the narrator going on about, like, the story of Captain Flint. There's a goofy-ass grin on my face, and I'm just locked in for the rest of the night. Absolutely. There's no stopping me. And, like, the thing about this movie is I feel like it was the start of what could have been a really amazing era for Disney. Mm. Because this was, this movie came at the time at, like, the end of, like, they started working on this movie after they finished Hercules, and they really wanted to the, explore the style of using 2D animation and layering 3D animation in it as well. And I think it was beautifully done. It, oh, man. When you see the Crescent Moon spaceport after oh, the, uh, when they are going to go on their journey, it is one of the best transition scenes that I've ever seen. The way it just, like, fully walk, like, just closes in on it. Like, we don't cut to it. There's no cheat. They just fully embrace it, and like it was, you could tell it was expensive at the time. This oh. was the most expensive uh, traditional <laughs> animated film. Yeah, I think I kept saying that throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Like every time we were watching, I was just like, "Wow, this looks expensive." <laughs> <laughs> just shots where like you have a two D character, and the room is just panning around because, as you said, like some of it's three D. The room is in three D, and it's just kind of moving around while you have a character in the foreground. Uh, moving at a different pace uh that and like you said the transition from like the shot of the moon closing in to seeing a whole city spaceships everywhere unique aliens and spaceships yep with sails full sails that were sailor sails sails. like solar sails I love how they had, like, the little hexagons, too, so you knew these were sci-fi sails, guys. Oh, these yeah. These weren't regular sails. <laughs> oh, yeah. These, <laughs> these are those steampunk futuristic sails. Oh, no. I, and it, you just, instead of adding gears on it, you just, yeah, put little hexagons, and people know it's the future. <laughs> as long as they're holographic, you gotta have the holographic look. That's a good shorthand. I think I might try to remember that. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, so... I found out actually why the film looks that why they chose to do the sales like that and everything. Why? This film had to follow a 70-30 rule. It had to be 70% traditional and 30% sci-fi, which is a weird concept. You would think you'd kind of half and half it, but they were like, no, no, I want goofy sails, wooden boats going into space. All right. Like, I don't want to see. I I don't want to see anything that resembles an aircraft. It's only <laughs> boats. Like, submarines can't exist because they're too close to aircraft. That's basically a space shuttle at that point. Right, right. What a weird split. And even, like, everything had to follow that. The music had to follow it. The art style had to follow it. Everything down to, like, the story had to follow it. Like, and you would see how they would change certain things to fit that sci-fi but then like they throw you back in with just like like remember when like the map is open when jim opens the map for the first time and Mm it's this incredible holographic projection of like the known galaxy yeah and if then you start paying attention you realize you're still in kind of like an 1800s manor looking place and you're just like huh okay and even when they when they're coming off of the boat on Montressor, you can see it still has this like steampunk, like 1800s feel with the clothing and the, you know, how people are hustling and bustling about, like loading up the ships like they would in Pirates of the Caribbean or something. <laughs> yeah. Or you would see the Benbow Inn, which is just like traditional looking tavern inn. 
You know, everyone's wearing those old style clothing. So you're like, all right, all right. But then you also see the main character just shredding through like a factory facility. Yes. That would just put any corporate America business to shame right now. <laughs> just tearing it up before the cops, you know, unfortunately have to bring down the awesomeness in the room. <laughs> I'm starting to suspect that that's why the robot man was in there. It was one of those things. Someone's just watching. You're like, I don't know. This seems like more of a 75-25 split. <laughs> Throw a robot in there. Just for good measure. It's like, hey, you know how there's like a lost guy on Treasure Island? It's a robot now, all right? He has all the information. The same thing as ever, but just make him a robot. You know what? Martin Sheen. Grab that guy. Let's make it happen. Or Martin Short. Grab that guy. Let's make it happen. That would have been wildly different. I if it know. Was Martin if it was Martin Sheen, <laughs> that would have been a weird transition. <laughs> oh, man. What would be... Okay, I've got it. Now that we're... I don't know why I have to ask this now, but like, in your opinion, who would be the weirdest guy to voice Ben, the robot that's on Treasure Planet, in your opinion? Aside from Martin Sheen? Besides Martin Sheen. No accidental answers. Hmm. James Earl Jones. Oh, that would have been weird. Yes. <laughs> that would have been so off-putting, I'm not going to lie. But with, like, the same personality, though, right? Like, it, Yeah, no, Darth Vader's <laughs> voice coming out of Ben's little body, I'd be losing myself. <laughs> oh, that would be so fun. What about George Clooney? Yeah, that would be a too cool a voice. That would too be. suave, too, too on suave top of a robot. It. Because, <laughs> you know, we when we all think George Clooney, we all think Batman, right? We're all just going to think, oh, right. is Ben Batman? Why is this the second time this has happened to me today? <laughs> <laughs> Someone brings up Batman and their first go-to is fucking George Clooney. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Out of all the options, George Out of Clooney. All the, it's the best one, right? Obviously, duh. George Clooney for life. Mm. Obviously, gotta go with the bat nipples. <laughs> but but it's spe- so speaking of characters or actors that I did not expect to be in this movie, Emma Thompson as the captain. Yeah. That I was so we finished watching the movie, and I was talking with uh, my partner, and he's like, "How about Emma Thompson? Like really killing that role? Blew me away. Had no idea it was her, but she killed it." You know who else really surprised me in this movie that I didn't know was in this movie? Who? David Hyde Pierce as Dr. Uh, Delbert Doppler. <gasps> oh, my I gosh. I always wondered, like, why is it that I like Dr. Doppler so much? And then it's just like, oh, this is just duh. Because Delbert fucks. That's why you like him. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Also because Delbert fucks. <laughs> yes. Thanks for setting me straight, Kaz. You see him and you're like, all right, man, this guy is going for it. I think he's trying to land the mom. But then once they're out in space, man, he he takes to that admiral chick like crazy, man. Ah, Captain Amelia. And of course, of course, they make uh, Doppler an anthropomorphic dog and her an anthropomorphic cat. (laughs) Because in the book, the doctor and the Captain used to argue a lot, too. Oh, so they, they stayed true to the original story with that as well. Yes, that's right. I did the nerd thing this week and listened to as much of Treasure Island as I could. I couldn't finish nerd. it because it was boring. It's I'm boring? Sure it wasn't it's... full of Acacian wood, at least. Don't even bring that up. <laughs> Don't do that to me, man. I can't stand those two yeah, words yeah. together. R- reading the Bible for research on a movie is a bad idea, it turns out. <laughs> I just didn't know it was just going to be about Acacia Wood, okay? I had no idea. 
But how was Treasure Island? Um, look, look okay. Text me with some interesting notes. Look, when it comes to uh, old literature, of course it's always going to have its place, you know? There mm-hmm. are great books you should always read. But you do have to go into it with the realization that people didn't have the sense of like the, the the way fiction writing progressed to where it is today it all started there at the beginning so it's not as cinematic basically as like today's fiction as how it's mm. written you know like for an example when they talk about like a fight it's very quick they're just like and shots rang out these people are dead that situation's over now in fantasy, you get like, he moved through the room, he tore through his enemies, left, right, slash, down. Like, it, it's, it's slow. Even though it's only six hours, it was a slow read. And it was very dated. Because one of the references to Long John Silver is that um, he, at this, when you meet Long John Silver, he's just a man with uh, only one leg, is on his crutch, but is super energetic and runs an inn. And so the guy that hires him, which I'm pretty sure is Squire Trelawney, uh, mm-hmm. explains that he thinks that he wants to go back to being a sailor, either from the stress of his inn or because of his colored wife. <gasps> yeah. Mm. yeah. No. Yeah. Mm. Well. And also they say like, well, aren't you glad I got a full English crew with no odorous Frenchmen? Like, what? <laughs> what does this even mean? Why? <laughs> Why are y'all just so mean right now? Well, that's 1883 for you, I guess. Yeah, you know? Like, just throwing throwing that out there. Throwing that out there. Wow. Yeah. Speaking of Long John Silver, though, so I, I didn't really know what to expect coming into this movie. All I knew was, like, people were horny for the cat lady, and there was a robot. That's about it. Um... I didn't know anything about this character. I figured he was the villain, but I didn't realize how multi-dimensional he was going to be. Which, by the way, I... way more multi-dimensional than in the book. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine. In the book, he's just some dude trying to manipulate everybody. In the movie? I mean, he's kind of that here, too. Yeah, but, just more but dynamic. to. You yeah, know? like, like we... we... We get a whole montage with like him and Jimbo, and, oh, and no, no, no! What did you yeah. say during that montage? Say it again right now, oh, God, as they were flying it. into the comet uh, together on that little skimmer. What did you oh, say? Because the, the character Jimbo, he's got like his his dad abandoned him when he was oh. young, and so. <laughs> You know, it's one of those, you know, you make fun of the joke saying they went out for smokes. And so as soon as, like, he gets the little the little boat for uh, for the cyborg man, he was also, like, it also looked like he was taking off on the boat without him. And so I was like, oh, no, he's like another father figure. And then he comes back for him. And I'm like, oh, hooray, hooray Jimbo, we'll go get cigarettes together. <laughs> And then they, I guess, abandon the mom in that scenario. But no, that doesn't happen. <laughs> True bonding moment. Getting it was, yeah, together. it was beautiful. <laughs> oh, my God. There's a lot of lines you've said while watching movies that I've never expected. But that was the one that really got me. I never remember what I say. I was, as soon as you were like, what did you say? I'm like, what did I say? <laughs> was it I... racist? I'm sorry. <laughs> hey. 
as a kid though the sail like the solar sailing scene where they like go through the comet and they have like stardust on them i always thought that was one of the coolest scenes because like you have the sparkle and you know you can just fly through space without any space uh you know equipment or oxygen or <laughs> anything and like also, that also yeah that it wasn't fire it was ice oh, right it was ice yeah <laughs> what uh what what is did they have a canon explanation that I glossed over oh, no. or something why why can they just breathe on these big old boats that are exposed to the vacuum of space no explanation at all they didn't i just in my head canon i was like oh, okay maybe the ship has some kind of i don't know field that generates you oxygen. know oxygen because they had a scene where they explained the gravity right right and they turned on gravity field. and to a certain degree, like you don't know, they never, you don't visually see how far that gravity extends. But at one point, like characters get fucking yeeted off the boat, and right. they're like pretty close. So there is a certain, there, there's a certain distance where it's like, yep, nope, you're just out there in space now. Even so, I, well, I guess the field could apply to the to the little like skimmer or whatever. But yeah, no, it's not explained. It just. You have to okay. suspend disbelief that they okay. can just okay. breathe. No, the solar rad. sails oh. also work like trees. So when they get the sunshine, they also let out oxygen. Oh, there we have is it. That a, is that a cannon thing, or are you just pulling shit out of your head? Oh, dude, I'm fucking with you so right. hard. <laughs> so, like... To, I was just speak, gonna go with it. <laughs> to speak to that, like, suspension of disbelief, uh, I... Love, like, the impractical designs. They're just these big wooden boats. I don't even think sometimes you even see landing gear. Like, how do some of these things even, like, you know, touch down? I have no clue, but it's fine. They're just these big wooden boats with big old sails and wings, and nothing's explained. It's an impractical design for space, but damn it, it's got style. (laughs) That's all that mattered, I guess. You have to understand, at the bottom of the ship, there's most likely a some sort of propulsion device that cannot fully lift the ship but can cause the levitation effect that keeps the ship up at a certain mm. position. Then the All rockets right. of the ship are what is going to give it its forward momentum. At the same time, it has its own sort of... I can't remember the name of that piece of the ship that does the spinning or the, the movement of the ship, but it has probably an omnidirectional approach to it to where you can point your ship upwards, thus launching up towards uh, the sky in and of itself, or facing downwards towards the ground for landing. At a certain point, you just thru- uh, you turn off your thrusters, you start pulling back the sails, and as you're coming down, you're just going to float at that kind of like position a ship would float over the water with its anchor down. I mean, it's really straightforward. I don't know why this is confusing to anyone. <laughs> yeah, right. it's not me with a corkboard pulling a whole Charlie Day situation, <laughs> all right? Everyone should know this. It was implied in the movie. <laughs> all right, Mister needs an explanation for everything. I have a question. All right, uh, with with the artificial gravity, if you were to fall off the boat but still close to it, would you stick to the boat or would you just go straight down? Does it pull towards the boat or does it pull downward? Ooh. Whatever and direction I think that will it actually be. Actually, only affects like the top part of the ship itself. So if you were to fall over the f- edge of the ship, okay. I don't think it wraps around it. I, I guess in my head, I figured it was a big bubble, bubble, like field. Yeah. That would make sense. So I just imagine someone falling off the ship and just being magnetized to the side of it. Or you know what? No, it does. It is is a bubble. You're right. Because it does show in the montage sequence 
when Jim has the uh, job of having to clean the hull of the ship of all like the, I guess, space barnacles that attach to the ship. <laughs> right. Uh, they are hanging like on that classic. Uh, just that's what they did. They had rope oh, swings, basically. Like scaffolding, and since yeah. he wasn't locked in and just sitting comfortably, that has to imply that the ship is a bubble that has like a field. So yeah, I guess you would probably no, because gravity doesn't pull inward like that all the time. Like it's it's pulling down as their artificial gravity is doing. It's not using it as like I don't think it's using it as kind of like a center of gravity but just like a field that operates downward gravity. So I think you would probably fall through if you fell over the ship because you don't see Jim and Long John getting pulled into the ship. You just fall past it. You would probably fall past it, just like if you went overboard. I love that I made you think get overly pedantic about this damn <laughs> Dude, I will kill neither the shit out of any film if you make me. <laughs> all right, we all watched that. We all grew up on it. We all want to be the Mr. Science guy. Bill, That's right. Bill, 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 Bill. Bill Nye, the science guy. Uh, <laughs> so going back to the very beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. So I completely forgot about the opening sequence being a part of the actual storybook and it being like treasure island, treasure planet. And you you see the kid's face like zoom into the boat's Having, could you imagine having books like that as a kid, like interactive, not just 3D, but just like literally coming out of the book, ships flying around. It does make me question, does this kid know how to read? (laughs) Does all the books just do it for him? Oh, oh, you know, that's a really good question. It's just a big, uh, cool audio book. I mean, that is cool. That is cool. Don't get me wrong. But also, does that mean like when he's in school and they're looking at textbooks, it's just someone reading the textbook to him? Like he well, actually no, doesn't but, like, have to read were, it? When you were a kid, did you ever have those little books that had like the little buttons where like you get to a certain part, you push the button and like a cool, like a cool, like one line action, you know, action line, you know, goes off. Like, you know, you push a button and like Joker laughs or Batman does like, it says like a cool thing or something. I don't no, know. I learned to read. Anyone have any of those books? I, mean, I did. Yeah, you did read along with it. <laughs> no, I, did. I just read normal books. I had, <laughs> okay, I had well. those Sorry, books. I didn't have fancy electronic what books. What I'm saying is, you know, the books that you can get for yourself for leisure time aren't exactly the same books you get for educational purposes or for reading at school. Nah, this house is green eggs and ham only. Green eggs and ham only. <laughs> You know, he doesn't read any other time during the movie. See? All right, then See? I guess I guess this is just a world where they've made reading obsolete. No one ever has to read ever. <laughs> Who's got the time? You're out there looking for treasure. That's right. You just need to be able what? to read a map. Wait a minute. To... They can't what? read. They have a police force that is just fully robotic. Mm-hmm. And they still have a class system in which the poor exist. This is a dystopian movie. They're hiding oh, a dystopian story. Shit. Oh my gosh, we just blew this case wide open. We did it. It goes all the way to the top. <laughs> <laughs> so that intro, going back to the intro, it actually kind of worried me when it started. Because like, when you see like oh, the whole thing, like you see this badass scene going on. And then it turns out it's like a kid's storybook. So two things. One, I was like, oh no. 
Did they just blow all the cool stuff they were going to do in just that intro? Oh, no. <laughs> and it's going to be more grounded? And secondly, I was going to be so pissed if by the end of this, this whole adventure was just the kid's story, like his imagination. Oh. And I was like, oh, this going to be bad. <laughs> Luckily, <laughs> it was wrong on both accounts. Good. I'm glad you were wrong. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with you people sometimes. Anyway, beginning of the bo- the beginning of the movie is really good. I love the... Um, the way they introduce Flint's story in just a quick way to uh, set up the movie. Like, you know how you always have to have film set up? Like, they don't waste any time here. They want you to know what the main goal of this is as quick as possible so they can start working on character development. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, introducing Jim and his whole, uh, you know, sad, brooding, I'm a lost boy situation, but super smart and wasting my talents. So edgy. So edgy, and he's radical as shit on that snow, well, that that <laughs> snowboard thingy or whatever it was called, hoverboard. I don't know what you would call Baylor it. or something. I don't know. They they have a name. A solar you boogie board. Doing like, you see him doing like sick ass tricks on it. And I was like, oh, you can really tell uh, around the era when this came out, <laughs> dude. All right, look, the X Games were rad as shit. All right, like, can we just X- admit to it? X Games SSX. That snowboarding game. Tony Hawk. Wave Hell Rider. Yeah. Great soundtrack, too. So good. Are you telling me that we missed out with not having a full ska soundtrack for this movie? We did. We did. We did have the Goo Goo Dolls. Well, the lead singer from the Goo Goo Dolls. Which, we did have the lead singer of the Goo Goo Dolls, which I mean, yeah, okay. You know, peak 2000s, like late 90s, early 2000s. Also, Jostin Gordon Lovett voicing Jim. I don't know. Oh, I yeah. oh, was young, that it was him. Oh. Very young. I mean, at that point, he was he was yeah he was just early twenties. Yeah, just wrapped up Third Rock from the Sun. Did you guys watch that? I love Third bit. Rock from the Sun. There. Fucking love that show. So Jonathan good. Lithgow. Oh, oh, heck yes. Just like peak, peak. So and good. The, and the only time you can take French Stewart for that long. <laughs> I've never though. heard anyone say Jonathan Lithgow. Usually people just say John Lithgow. Uh, okay, fine. John Lithgow. I'm sorry. <laughs> just sorry. It was just so weird. I was like, who? When addressing the legend that is John Lithgow. Not joking. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? I apparently don't put enough respect on the man's name. <laughs> you don't. You know who gets done dirty in this movie? Who? Mr. Arrow. <gasps> Mr. Arrow is just... Look, and this is what it hit harder this time. Was oh, he the because, big stone guy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In the in the book, Mister Arrow uh, is introduced as someone who is like a competent sailor, but the captain has no faith in them because he's too free with the men. And then it's mm. determined that he's a drunkard as well. And then just one stormy night, like they all wake up and he's gone, which means he went overboard. And like that's it. That's his story. In this, though, I was, like, all for Mr. Arrow. He was so on top of it. He remembered everything. He was respectful. He ran a tight ship. Yeah, he did. Did him dirty. And they couldn't even just let him die by, you know, like, suffocation in space and, like, implosion of organs. He gets spaghettification in a black hole. In a black hole? I mean, that's, that's a 
pretty metal way to go, actually. Oh, do you want to feel that for all eternity, Kaz? No, but, like, you're definitely, once you, that happens, you're definitely talked about. <laughs> like, man, this fucking guy went into a black hole. He just started stretching and stretching for days. For days. No idea how long. Tombstone no. just says Mr. Arrow you're, rat is you're shit. Like you're like long dead before like when you start spaghettifying. You're fine. Like you make it sound like, oh, I'm gonna feel every agonizing moment of it. Sure, time right. will probably slow down, well, but I'll be know, long dead. You don't dead. know how much he can take because he's you're what That's do you true. know the, know you, the you anatomy know about of the rockman? Exactly. You know stone aliens? They didn't seem that tough in Thor. Alright, we're not gonna talk about Thor right now. Alright, we're not <laughs> done. This. I don't need this in my life. Don't need to go right? down that road. I don't. Alright, because I'll get really mad if See, we start talking only about Only analog I have for rock men. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I really? guess there's golems too. Shit. Yeah, I'm gonna go over here just like really that's that's it. <laughs> that's it that's the only only example. Never been Rockman in me. I'm sorry, this is coming from the people who were talking about Clooney when you mentioned Batman. <laughs> Are you getting this from you? <laughs> You know exactly why I mentioned Clooney. I told <laughs> you earlier. Strong in the day. jaw. <laughs> that sexy hairline. I will say the um, watching this again as an adult. You know, I remembered certain things, but forgot others. Like Mister Arrow, I completely forgotten until it was like about to happen. And if if I had audio on, I audibly would have gasped because I was like, oh, "No, poor Mister <laughs> Arrow!" Like just completely forgot that he. That he died. That's such a tragic death. <laughs> yeah, it turns out Mr. Scroop, you know, the Spider-Man, is a total asshole. Complete dick. Like, what? What? He was he scared me as a kid. Oh, yeah, by the way, Kaz, trigger warning. There's a yeah. spider guy in it. <laughs> oh no. I don't know. He's got those little lobster claws. I saw him yeah, yeah. Like that's a scorpion why, or lobster. That's or why I wasn't as worried about him. But I was just like at first I was like, should I tell him there's like technically a spider guy in this? Not a fan of spider spiders? No. Oh, he is. He is arachnophobic. I have to I do usually give him trigger warnings, but with this guy I was just like, I don't know if he yeah. needs one. Yeah, it's fine. It's like a wasp. Lobster spider situation with like the eyes. I don't know. That's not even a wasp eye. Like, what kind of eyes are they? Cats. Mm. <laughs> we, we need to talk to the design team, actually. Yeah, we do need to talk to the design team. So, I love all the monster designs. Actually, monsters, like uh, all the, the creature designs here. They just have this scene where, like, just a background character is just some schlub with a mop, and he just has this weirdo design. And I was just happy to see that guy, and he never shows up again. <laughs> do you think Mr. Scroop is the way he is because he doesn't even understand who he is? Oh. No, it's because he didn't see the goofy movie as a kid. <gasps> Fair. What? Fair. Fair. Okay. No, you're Swear right. In. You're right. Don't you dare try to accuse me of never seeing the Goofy movie as a kid. Uh, don't oh, you no, dare. No, that, that don't was you me. dare. That was that Kaz. That was a reference to me. That was Kaz. That was not me. Oh, okay. my God. Power okay. line for life. Square All right. to see this to eye to eye. <laughs> Back when we worked together, Squared said, uh, I forgot, I was just having a, having a, a real bad one that day. And he was like, you know, you're probably the way you are because you, you didn't see this, the Goofy movie as a kid. <laughs> and that stuck with me for so long. And I was like, man, my life could have, the trajectory of my life could have been so different. I could have been a much happier guy. Could have. Oh, well. Look, how are I do that to you as a kid? Because you are just, those tasty jams teach you such valuable lessons. Such tasty yeah, jams. Yeah, well. Such tasty, it's gone tasty now. jams. You have oh, seen it. Well, I watched it as an adult, though, right? 
I have seen it okay. now. Okay. Oh, okay. We <laughs> had, uh, do you? Uh, we when we did the March of Ultra Madness uh, situation, and we watched the fanatic. That movie was only an hour and twenty minutes, but it was so horrible, like and hard we to watch. A palate cleanser. Yeah, I'm it. I almost hurt myself getting to my computer fast enough to change the movie to the Goofy movie to oh feel God. better and feel something. What movie was that? I'm not going to repeat the, the name anymore. No, okay. don't. Do not let her fall to this. <laughs> okay. It was horrible. I'll just listen to the recording later. Now, now that I name it, it has Fred power. <laughs> Limp Biscuit directed this film. No, he did not. Yes, he did. He, did. he even no. put some of his music in there. He did put some of he his music his, in he it. He put his music in there, and his like his kid. He's the the guy's listening to it with his kid in the car, <laughs> and they're just the most stoic face. Like if you put your own song in there, why not have them jam out to it, man? We are in the worst timeline. What is this? I've never heard of this. It's bad. Oh, You've it's never- so bad. <laughs> Tonic, there was an interview where uh, John Travolta admits that when Fred Durst gave him the script to the uh, movie, the character was a somewhat normal character, and it was John Travolta's idea to say, like, hey, let's put him on the spectrum. Yeah. While doing no research on how to accurately portray someone who is autistic. Oh, no. It is probably one of the most offensive films. Oh, my God. Okay, so as a palate cleanser... From that abomination, oh. you watch the Goofy movie. Anyway, yes. back to Treasure Planet. Which leads us to Treasure Planet. <laughs> yeah. yes. Let's talk about Morph. Morph! People seem oh to my like Morph. <sighs> Morph is the best little, little Morphy guy. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Reading Treasure Pl- Island is the only thing it messed up for me is Morph's character. Really? There was a morph in the book. Well, morph is a parrot. actually an homage to the parrot that Long John yeah. Silver owns. So oh, that makes in, sense. in Treasure Planet, you know, he's talking about like, oh, I picked him up on this planet and we've been together ever since. And like, that's his backstory. And that's really cute. All right. Seeing Silver sure. and Morph cuddle together. That's adorable. That's so adorable. adorable. In the book, Long John Silver's just like, this parrot has been alive for 200 years. He has seen kingdoms fall, fleets destroyed, storms rage through the lands. And you're like, holy shit, what is going on with this bird? I was kind of hoping you were going to say it was more of a contentious like kind of relationship where it's like, this bitch of a parrot will not leave me alone. I cannot kill it. And I don't know why it follows me. This asshole. <laughs> Won't shut up. (laughs) I didn't teach him those words. He just did that on his own. (laughs) I'm of two minds about Morph. Like, at one point, like, at some points, I'm like, man, I would actually be annoyed by this little thing. Uh, At other points, it is cute and adorable. And then at other points, it's having something like that around can be like the most dramatically overpowered thing to anyone in this universe. Yeah, it's like having like a ditto in Pokemon. (laughs) Yeah, except, well, I would say except, you know, he doesn't have like the face that gives it away, but he is confined to being tiny. Uh, Yeah, and I don't think he can, uh, he can't mimic voices. Really? No, but even then, like, I mean, y'all, y'all play D and D, right? The yeah. ability for him to be small objects, yeah, is is astounding. That's pretty dangerous. <laughs> That's pretty dangerous. Okay, okay, who do you think would win into a, win in a fight, Morph or uh, Tom from or Jerry from Tom and Jerry? Morph. Why did you pick those two? Morph and Jerry. 
Because yeah. you got Morph that is small Wait. and can change into anything, and you've got Jerry who is also small, that is That's just it? an asshole. Because he's tiny. <laughs> so Jerry's the yeah, mouse. Tom's the cat. Yeah, Tom's the cat. Yeah, Tom's Jerry's the, cat. the mouse. Wow. Because Tom cat. Tom, Tom cat. Wow. Um. Wow. You all right there, Tommy? So. Woo. Okay. <laughs> like. <laughs> like, but you just picked it because it was a tall mouse. Why not say like, "Oh yeah, who would win in a fight, Morph or like a one foot tall Johnny Bravo?" Like, what does it Wait, matter? What the that fuck? He's- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that I went more logical than a one foot Johnny I Bravo. Just, the the matchup is, is weird. Did you imagine? How is that weird? This How is that a weird this overpowered shape shifting <laughs> alien that can be anything it can imagine, or, or a, a little mouse. mouse. Yeah. <laughs> Mouse that has a reality pocket that can hold mallets the fucking size of a person. We're talking about a mouse that not only is incredibly strong enough to, like, fuck up a cat, what, more than ten times its size? Mm -hmm. And legit, like, how is this a bad matchup? Really talk to me about this. Talk to me how Jerry is a a bad matchup. Weird choice. Why wouldn't you pick like a shapeshifter? Why wouldn't you say like Ditto or something? (laughs) Because that's just the boring fight of two shapeshifters. Why not a shapeshifter against lobs? (laughs) I can't tell if they're fighting or making love. Uh, well, Are you the answer, type of person that's just like you know what? I just want a Kirby versus Kirby fight, and that's hey, it. Hey, there you go. To answer your to answer your question, if it's a fight to the death, probably morph. If it's if, but the thing is, if Jerry, like I guess, like you said, pulls out a mallet and smushes morph, he will break into a bunch of small pieces and probably run away. Well, so you know, Jerry, Jerry can also pull out a blowtorch. Jerry, I think would beat his ass, but if it's a fight to the death, I don't know if he could kill it. Kill morph. Yeah. I don't Tana, know how killable think? this I thing think, is. I think Morph is immortal, actually. Well, there you go. <laughs> he so, doesn't seem to have any organ structure. He exactly. is see-through. And no, like, wait, let's talk about cell structure here. Is it... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm here. I'm locked in. So, okay, let's get, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Is this, it, I mean, it's obviously multicellular, right? But, like, yes. the fact that it's regening so quickly... And changing cell structure so quickly. I mean, it, it can't... It's like the conversation yeah, but, between... Or discussion between, like, is a virus alive? Or is it, you know, or is it not? But but here's the thing. Even if it has an interesting cell structure and it can regenerate, those cells, when broken off, can only be pulled back together. They cannot be controlled independently, only pulled back together. So in Where's that the brain? situation... Not just where's the brain, but that means it has to operate at certain, like it has to have certain temperature thresholds. Sure. So it, if it gets either too hot or too cold, it will lose its abilities most likely. Because we're breaking down proteins or we're freezing to where we can't move. Exactly. Okay. So, you know, if Jerry pulls out a blowtorch, like I was saying, you never know. Just melt the shit so out of more. Melt so the shit like out the of more. Yes. You gotta freeze him. Except, you know, smarter, because he does have, like, a sentient structure. It's just... Can Morph go out into space? Does he yes, he can. Yeah. I think he okay. can go out into space. He's just floating around, doing his own thing. Living his best uh, is life. Is Morph just, I, like, shit. a ball of sentient cosmic energy at this point? Like, I, is he actually, like, physical? Or are we just seeing a representation of this energy take on a somewhat physical form? Morph is God. 
in the movie. <laughs> it's, oh my gosh, H.P. Lovecraft's As a Thought, the blind idiot de- uh, deaf god is just Morph. It's just this small morph. little pink thing that's just like a happy little guy, just like, I'm having the best time. <laughs> just gonna oh, hang out with wow. these two fools. These guys, these are my bros. <laughs> oh my gosh. What did you, Kaz, what did you think of uh, Morph? What was the oh, second I thing? Mean, you said you said you had one, two things. What was the first thing? Oh, I, I said I was of different minds about him. I think at points I would be annoyed. Um, and then I think, uh, what else did I say? Um, seems overpowered. And yeah, he does seem cute sometimes. Like, endearing. Right? Yeah, he seems fine. Mm. <laughs> but in small doses kind of thing for me. So you're telling me you would not adopt this little creature? I would probably, maybe. <laughs> there we go. That's what I like to hear. That's what I uh, fall for him. Fall for this little boy. Eh, for this what? precious little baby. The precious little baby boy. So, how do you guys feel about uh, uh, John Silver and Jim Hawkins' father-son relationship? Do you feel like they really portrayed that well enough? Do you think it like earned its moments? Yeah, I was surprised how well they did that actually, because like I said, I was expecting uh, characters to be like a bit flatter, like not as multi-dimensional, mm-hmm. and so. The moment they prove he was a bad guy, I thought, like, okay, we're going to have this big misunderstanding. You know, even though we have that montage, it's cute and showing them bonding and all that stuff. Um, I was expecting, you know, once the plot is revealed, the uh, the coup uh, or mutiny, uh, that it was going to be, like, well, I think, one, we had Jimbo misunderstand. Or he, he heard um, John, like, say, uh, you know, uh, that, oh, he's just using the boy, and you can, you know, they, they do a good job showing that, like, oh, he, he is just kind of saying that, like, he does have an attachment, but I figure once that happened, it was just gonna go off from there, and it's like, oh, yeah, there's just gonna be irre- irreconcilable bad, you know, enemies to each other, uh, but they didn't do that, they threaded that line pretty well, like, showing an actual caring relationship between them, mm-hmm. but this to this contention that they have to, to deal with and their I, I guess opposite goals well kind of the same goal but just for themselves <laughs> yeah because it is still kind of somewhat selfish reasons for jim too jim is doing this to not only help his mom but he wants to change how people think of mm-hmm. him. his main purpose is to like show everybody up is almost like his original goal. I'll show you. Like, I, yeah, exactly. That I'll show you mentality. He wants to change his stars. Oh. <laughs> Don't you do that to me right now, man. Chart your own course. <laughs> I will. I will watch A Night's Tale, all right? I will put it on, and I will cry by myself if I have to. All right, rest of the podcast, we're just watching A Night's Tale. <laughs> you know, yes. I oh my gosh. watched that for the very first time extraordinarily recently it was great wasn't oh, it's it? so good it i cried it was so good it's so good it's such a great movie so much fun oh my gosh i remember when we were watching it together like all the stuff people were pointing out we were all into it uh, uh our camp daddy bobby b gotta love it <laughs> gotta love it anyway daddy issues uh, long on silver Jim. Becomes new daddy, but then still has to abandon him again so he doesn't go to prison. Yeah, so he's like, actually, <laughs> I do have to leave. So, so this is awkward, kiddo. Yeah, Love ya. Gonna, like, he was gonna do the whole cigarettes around without even saying goodbye. Hey, champ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just checking to make sure this boat was tied down. Yeah. It's like, gotta make sure we got some good, uh, 
good good yeah. nuts good nuts but at least uh at least it seemed by then that jimbo was right i keep calling him jimbo because i just suck at names and i just remembered that he kept calling him jimbo jimbo's uh, a good one <laughs> so at least by then it seemed like jimbo was ready Mm-hmm. He was like he, he was ready to say goodbye, yeah, and you know have that have that you know departure and kind of go out. I guess go out on his own while he's really just kind of helping his mom, right? Or well, did he did he go back to adventuring or did he? No, he ended up joining the uh, military, royal oh, that's like right. royal naval academy. Yeah, okay. He's there gonna go. basically so, indicating he's gonna end up running a ship. So yeah, it it did seem by at least by then that he was ready for all that. You know, all those like changes, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I think that was done really well. They saved each other's lives, you know, countless times throughout the movie, and it was ready to, they just met, came to a very natural fork in the road. Oh, that beautiful moment during the, uh, when the, when one of the, when the star goes supernova, and, like, they're bracing for impact, and you see, like, John encompass, like, Jim with his entire body to protect him. Mm Mm-hmm. Beautiful. It's just like, oh, you guys, you're too cute. And, yeah, Jim, I think it was needed for his character development and growth for the movie, you know? Because, like you said, he joined the, the ship to be like, I'll show you, I'm going to do this thing. And what's a good, good, strong daddy figure to lead the way to say, you know, no, you can't just do whatever the fuck you want. You got to listen to the rules sometimes, but then maybe become a pirate and it's fine. Yeah, you know. I mean, you do show the positive influence. It shows that positive influence pretty quickly because, you know, when he's introduced, when Jim is introduced to the captain, Amelia is immediately like, you're going to either address me as ma'am or captain. Mm-hmm. And he hates it, already chafing at, like, authority. Yep. And yeah, then when, I was like, she's like, that wasn't even that bad. It like, really wasn't kid. even that bad. She was being really polite, too. Uh, yeah. But then the star goes supernova. It's just like Mr. Hawkins secure the lifelines, and he immediately is with the II captain. It's like I am like, on doesn't it. Doesn't question it. Exactly becomes a team player. There's another character, uh, Amelia, I think, or the uh, captain. Yeah, uh, I was kind because especially from her introduction, I was kind of expecting like, oh, okay, she's just going to be a hard ass. But once again, very multi-dimensional character. She's very well written. Yeah, a woman who is just who has to be hard because of the position she's in. Mm-hmm. Because you have to you you can't be friends like but super she's not close just, friends with your she's not just like a that. hard ass though. No, she is a kind person, and like you could tell, like her and Mister Arrow would have tea together, and they would have like conversations together. You know, and like it's the just, banter, the banter. It's just with her subordinates, you can't be that way, or else they're going to start thinking they're going to get special treatment. When, like, you're the captain, their lives are legitimately in your hands. Mm-hmm. Any death is not, like, when Mr. Arrow died, and at first it seemed like Jim was the one that didn't secure the lifeline, at that point, it's still not Jim's fault. That death is still on the captain. Her ship. Her ship, her lives. So you have to be a tough individual. And, yeah, so to see her, like, drop that when she's wounded, you're absolutely right. Like, seeing that multidimensional character was great. Because I'm going to tell you right now, none of the characters in Treasure Island are very multidimensional. <laughs> it's almost like the book was written in 1883. <laughs> and her lines, I feel like, were written specifically for the adults watching this movie with their kids back in 20... Wow. Uh, 2002, excuse me. Um... <laughs> <laughs> back in 2002? 2002. Uh, because of... I was talking. I was talking to Gam about this. She uses such 
big words, at least for when I was a kid, like they were too big for me to understand a lot of them that I feel like they went over my head as a kid, which was fun to go back and watch and listen to as an adult. I can't think of a specific example, but, um, driveling bunch of glutes. (laughs) Just like her insults were so hilarious. Feels good. Feels good to laugh, you know. Feels good to just have a good time. I it's it is a very sad thing that this film this film failed, and I'm not gonna lie. When I when I think about this time period in animation, like the early 2000s, there's a little bit of sadness to it because we had some great movies that were coming out that were these. They were pushing the boundaries of 2D animation. Like you really saw it with uh, the Prince of Egypt. And then it was almost like a race for a little bit. You would get, like, you got Atlantis, Lilo and Stitch, Treasure Island, uh, si- uh, Road to El Dorado, Sinbad, Legend of the Seven Seas, where they were all trying to do these incredible things. And then Shrek came out. Mm. Mm. Shrek came out, and that completely destroyed almost the 2D game. Shrek because... was a monster. It did gangbusters, man. Exactly. And that's why... It almost feels like the like uh, when you're watching a movie like Treasure I, Treasure Planet, it's like you're watching the end of a what could have been a beautiful era, because at that point 3D full 3D CGI took over because of Shrek. Shrek came out in 2001. Just, this film was in development right after Hercules, so this film was in development since like the 90s. Wow. But then Shrek hit 2001. They still had to release this movie, but like I feel like the damage had already been done at that point. Because Sinbad didn't even do that well at the theaters either, which I'm not going to lie. Like If you haven't seen Sinbad, The Legend of the Seven Seas, it is a, another really beautiful attempt of layering 2D and 3D. Okay. I haven't, I haven't watched that. I'll have to check that like, out. The trilogy of DreamWorks film for that era is uh, The Prince of Egypt, Road to El Dorado, and Sinbad, Legend of the Seven Seas. There is Joseph, uh, King of Dreams, but I don't really include that one. Why? Not as good. Like, I know what they were trying to... Like, you know, you do Prince of Egypt and you think Joseph would be a good story after that, but, like, Prince of Egypt was just a wild movie. I've heard great things. Yeah, it was. Have you not seen The Prince of I Egypt? I haven't. Ooh. I've heard that the music is, a... is, like, on point. It oh, should not point. slap as hard as it does. I just had a funny, morbid thought. That uh, that turtle monster must be spinning in his grave. <laughs> his one instruction was beware of the cyborg, and now he's like a father figure to him. He's in his in the afterlife, just like what the fuck. <laughs> like I warned you. <laughs> Heed the warnings of Billy Bo. Oh fuck me. <laughs> Gave him one piece of instruction. Instead, you made him your surrogate dad. And you even showed him the treasure. Oh, God. Come on. <laughs> like, why, at this point, why did I die? <laughs> why did he die? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was trying to get away from him and everything like that. It's just like, nope. <laughs> they, they don't really expand on that, do they? It's like... Uh, in the original story, they're kind of following the original story. How it really goes is uh, a pirate shows up at their uh, at their inn and stays for months, uh, oh. always saying at the when he pays at the first of the month. Um, if a man shows up, if a one legged man shows up on the beach, warn me. 
but they couldn't really do that for this, you know, so they were just like, immediate attack, all this is going on. And the story is that uh, I think it's both Billy and Billy, Ben, and uh, Silver all worked on Flint's crew. Mm. So that's why they all knew about the map. I don't know if they follow that in this one with Ben only being part of the crew. Yeah, Man, Ben was only part of the kidding. crew. They really just kind of speed through it for the movie. They're like, yeah, listen, we don't have time for him to stay there months. Yeah, no. Chop, chop. He gets in, he dies. Watch so, out for the cyborg. <laughs> in this adaptation, you're supposed to uh, make the connection that uh, Billy and Silver were both after the map because they knew it existed after discovering that it existed. But only Ben was part of the crew because at this point, anyone that was on Flint's crew would have been long dead because it happened hundreds of years beforehand. Gotcha. Wow. The more you know. Go back and read this old ass book, I guess. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't have to do that. Why do that I when mean, you have sure, the movie? Fine. Spark notes. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. Yeah. Spark notes, the six hour book. <laughs> there you go. I just uh, I just tore out my headphones. I just came back in. So sorry. You're good. You're good. It's all good. good. Anyway, so Cass, that's me. Did you like it? I did. I kind of got to echo what you said at the at the beginning <laughs> that yeah, this is was in fact an underrated movie. I didn't see it at the time, and all I knew about it was that it didn't do well, and that's a complete uh, disservice to the movie because it is beautiful. The designs are great. The characters are interesting. Um, it's a good-ass movie, it turns out. So, I saw it for the first time in my 30s, so that was fun! Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Still haven't seen Atlantis, but, you know, that's whatever. That's I'm, next I'm summer, sure don't worry. That'll happen someday. It will happen, <laughs> and your your life will change, maybe. Hashtag Akita for life. <laughs> uh, so, so tonic. So, did you like it? Yeah. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Watching it for the, I don't even know what time, uh, revisiting as an adult uh, was a lot of fun. And just piggybacking off of what you said, just the beautiful, it, it was a beautiful movie, awesome story, adaptation of Treasure Treasure Island, and just fun. Square in. It, yeah. Did you like it? You know, what's with this whole, like, namby-pamby taking the racist and xenophobic undertones from the original book out of the movie? How could... Yeah, I did like it. I'm so <laughs> glad they changed all that. All right, look. Okay. There's Thank a new God. appreciation for this I was movie like, this after- <laughs> podcast crashes and burns here of all places? <laughs> look, I now have a better appreciation for this movie after reading the original book, and I did not think that was going to happen. I'm usually that guy. It's just like, you know, you can love a movie, but the book's usually always going to be better. This was like, no, watch this movie. Don't read the book. Don't watch read this it. movie. All right. You have, yeah, you, have a rela- you have an actual relationship between Silver and Jim that makes you root for both characters and actually feel a sense of betrayal when it happens. Yep. You have a relationship between the Doctor and Captain that really shows like a breaching of two different minds because you have a mind of action and a mind of rationality having to come together to save the day. And you have an overall a better told story of not just the growth of one person or the event, not even like Jim really doesn't even grow as a character in the book. Like he's just Jim. Uh, 
you have all this character growth that happens in a wrapped up amount of time that doesn't feel oversaturated. And by the end of it, do you really have any questions? No. Exactly. Beautiful with a bow. Just just beautifully put beautiful together. With I a do bow. have a question. How it. gravity on the ship work? <laughs> Alright, so it's gonna keep pulling down. <laughs> and morph is immortal. That's that's and morph. <laughs> yeah. Gravity ship go down, morph immortal. That's all you gotta know. <laughs> that's all you need to know. Yeah, to know. there you go. That's all this podcast was. I mean, <laughs> we we distilled it to the important facts. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. Who should we start with? Should I throw throw a curveball? I'm gonna throw a curveball. Tonic, why don't you tell everybody where we can find you? Your wonderful, wonderful, wonderful content. You can find my content on Twitch. I also have an Instagram uh, where I like to post photos of my cosplays and um, getting more into that, so more to come. Awesome, and on YouTube, where I post um, some fun shorts. And it's all under tonicboom underscore? Tonicboom underscore. All one word. All one word, all lowercase. Okay, all right, Kaz, what's going on in your life? Um, depression. Um, I don't know, no. Um, feel that. <laughs> Solidarity, brother. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> I think I'm jo- joining Bubs again on Mondays for for Returnal. We we do the Twitch stream, variety streamers. Um, you can catch the podcast live on Fridays at ten o'clock Texas time. Um, I, me me and my brothers uh, Jake Nin uh, always. Uh, we, we, this is a joint channel between the both of us. Uh, he does Death Stranding, um, Dragon Quest, stuff like that. And I do do games with, with, with Bubs and then some usually some Japanese games and horror games and stuff like that. That's more my bag. And yeah, you can catch us at twitch.tv forward slash second respawn. That's number two, the letters N D and the word respawn, all squished together as one word. Awesome, awesome. And, guys, you can really just fire me on this podcast right now. Unfortunately, my Twitch streams have had to stop due to tech issues. But if you want to just hear what I'm laying down, it's on this podcast. And you can always know what's going on by following me on Twitter at SirSquarin, S-Q-U-A-R-I-N. This podcast comes out edited almost every week because of the work of our good friend Tucker, who just loves to work on this creative project with us. Um, if you want to see what Tucker has to offer, you can follow him on Twitch at uh, twitch.tv uh, Tucker underscore wins. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tucker wins, all one word, uh, lowercase as well. Or you can look him up on Spotify under Tucker wins Stanley, where you can hear some of his own original music. Uh, yeah. to, uh, to continue on with Summer of Animation, you can catch us next week doing Porco Rosso by, uh, from Hayao Miyazaki. I'm so excited to see that for the first time. Me too. I've never seen it. Never seen it. Thank you guys so Tonic, much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. This was so much fun. I, I knew this was going to be a great time. Next summer, you got to come back for Atlantis. Absolutely. Okay, anyway. All right. Uh, Tucker, you know what to do. Just start fading in the music as we go. Ready? And do, 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 do. And I want a moment to be real. want to touch things I can feel. Wanna hold on and feel I'm alive And have 
Ever one step, she don't say You don't know me 